this to Luna here and I have an important message for you. We're living in a turbulent times. Conflict and social unrest seems to be everywhere. And rapid technological changes are only adding to the cultural upheavals. Uncertainty about the future, about ourselves, loom large in the collective consciousness of humanity. But is there a realistic path towards liberation, peace and happiness for us all? Well, yes, according to myself and the co-author of the book, Story of Boxes, Nicholas Haynes, we feel so. The issue is that we all have tendency to think in boxes, mentally placing people's ideas and even objects like underpants into rigid categories. Some of these categories or boxes are good. They are a source of joy and comfort. Others are bad, responsible for creating immense pain, isolation and division in the world. And others, they're just plain ugly. Once you become aware of the boxes that rule your personal life, the, you can break out of the box-based thinking and live a life that is freer and happier. You are no longer caged in by the walls of mental boxes. By investigating our unconscious and conscious boxes and sharing inspirational stories and easy-to-grasp examples, this sometimes even funny book gives you a new way of thinking about reality. It explores some of humanity's most salient and enduring bosics, including genders, race, sexuality, religion and class, and gives you a key to unlock the boxes in your own mind. If you want to know more, please go to www.nomoreboxesmovement.com forward slash the book. And now let's continue with our podcast. You're listening to the Chainsmakers podcast, where we share tips, insight, tools and stories from other Chainsmakers designed to motivate you to become the change you want to see in your world. Make sure you join our Chainsmakers community at runamagnus.com forward slash podcast. And now, this is your time to sit back, relax and enjoy. Hello folks, it's Runa here with another episode with another Chainsmaker. Gosh, this world is full of people. Well, luckily, this world is full of people, at least my world is full of people, when I think about that, who are change makers, people who are doing unbelievable things, helping other people to become the change that they want to see in their world. And today's guest is no other than Rachel Rosen. She is on a mission, and her mission is to start a global conversation about inclusion, equity, and courageous leaderships. She is helping courageous leaders to uncover their blind spots and take their diverse team to the next level with intentionally and integrity. I mean, if that isn't what we, the change makers are all about, I mean, Rachel, it's just Icelandic term is that she fits like yeah, well, I'm not going to say the Icelandic one. It doesn't make sense. There's only very few people who could understand that. So, but I'm going to continue. <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> she has a master's from Stanford and she has an extensive training in leadership, coaching, team, and organizational development. 
Spark is her thing. It's experiences that are grounded in theory and practice. She is relentlessly believing in that one conversation and one community at a time. With that, we can make the world a better place. I love that. Rachel, welcome to the Chainsmakers podcast. Thank you so much, Runa. It's an honor to be here. I'm really excited to have this conversation with you. Ooh, yeah. I think that a person like you, Rachel, who I know you've gone through a lot of obstacles in your own life, a lot mm-hmm. of boxes that you have had to leave in order for you to be able to do what you're doing and, and creating that space, that one conversation and one community and so that the world can be a better place. Can we start by sharing with us how would you describe Rachel yourself and tell us a little bit about why is it important for you to be on this mission? Hmm. Thank you. No, I love the moment that I heard about the work that you do and especially this idea of stepping out of the box and letting go of the boxes. I immediately was excited to connect with you and and you know, for a couple of reasons. I think my whole life I've been searching for communities that allow everybody's story to belong. You know, I think we're all wired that way as children. And and I've, for better, for worse, my whole life kind of been in these interesting experiences growing up in a small town in Texas and then moving to California and living in different countries. I've just seen that there's something inside of my spirit that has always really resisted being boxed in. (laughs) And I think it all kind of came to a head when I fell in love with my current partner, who's an African-American woman. And I had to make a choice, right? To love out loud and to share our story was a real, everything has been a choice in our relationship in a different way, right? And so it's very, very important to me that the next generation has exposure to all walks of life and all types of folks stepping out of boxes and leading in their truth. Because as a young girl, I didn't see any women stepping out and taking a stand for love and liberation and justice. And and that was, that's very problematic. You know, I often wonder if I, as a little girl, had seen women stepping up and, and taking kind of their own courageous steps to live outside of a box, I often wonder how different my life would have been, right? So if I can make a small impact for young women in the next generation or young men or or folks who don't identify on the binaries of life, then I will have done my job. Yeah. Well, now looking back, what gave you the courage? Mm. You know, I think I talk about courageous leadership for a living. So I I wonder about this question all the time, you know, like, do we actually in the moment, do we know that we're leading with courage or do, are we just living for love? You know, I, I'm a believer that when we see each other as family, let's say, you know, you have a sibling or a cousin that you care about deeply and they were in a bind and they really needed you, Mm -hmm. you would most likely kind of do something that might be courageous looking back on it, but in the moment, you're just doing what you do for family, right? Yeah. And I wonder, you know, in my experiences, I've been a teacher and I've worked in schools for 12 years and I've seen young people who, you know, in any other circumstance, I may not look at and think you could be my family, but when you have a bond and you have a strong relationship, then anything's possible, right? And so I think courageous leadership 
in the moment does not feel courageous. It just feels like a choice that you make for love or for life or for relationships. But it's always in hindsight that I think, gosh, how the heck did I do that? Like, how did I say that? Or how did I just come out to the world and not even think twice? You know, like, I think it always baffles me how when it's for love and when it's for family, what we're actually capable of. So that's yeah. really the mission of Spark and, and all of what I do is to just kind of break down the barriers that would otherwise get in the way of real, authentic human-to-human connection. Oh, yeah. I love that. What do you see if, you know, what you stand for is something that I stand for really myself. So I am very aligned with what you're saying. What is your point of view? What happens if we are not going to expect and our awareness towards the importance of inclusion and equity and, and courageous leadership, but standing still, if we can stand still, that's another question really. But what, what do you think if, what will happen if we don't do anything about this? We just, mm. You know, I think perhaps that might be, I oftentimes talk about the paradox of leadership, right? I think it's a, every context is unique. And so I don't claim to know what will happen in other people's context. But I know for myself, when I choose to stay silent, that in my experience, it's an indicator of a couple things. And I have to know myself really well to know what's happening. And I've been doing self-work for years and years and years, trying to understand how can I lead at my best? How can I be in alignment with who I am and my core values? And so I think for me, when I, when I go to a place of stillness, it's, it's either a choice because I really genuinely need to reflect and go inward and, and think first about what is coming up for me and be emotionally grounded so that I can take a stand outwardly. And I think it's a combination of really constantly living and leading out loud in some ways. And then I'm also deeply connected to clients in a way that I support, you know, executives and I support teams and I support and do consulting work for a living. And so I'm, I'm very intimately connected with when I have to roll up my sleeves and just keep these very important confidential conversations inward and, and reflect on what that means for me. But then I'm also on the other side, like when it comes to taking a stand and stepping out and speaking up against bigotry, against racism, against hatred, there's no question for me to stay silent in moments such as those is a luxury. That's, that's the epitome of privilege. So if I see something that is not right, and I don't know or have the perfect thing to say, saying nothing is actually worse than saying, hey, I'm trying to figure out the perfect thing to say right now, but I'm not <laughs> going to stay silent. I'm going yeah. to say, I see this. I see that this is happening and how can I help? What can I do? A lot of times just showing up and being physically present in spaces where there's injustice goes a very, very long way. Does that yeah. make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I think there are so many people that actually relate to that. They... Mm. They know that they don't feel good about what is happening in their world, but they might feel helpless. They might say, well, I don't know what to say, but what you're saying, what you're pointing out, it's enough just to show up and say, and be vulnerable and say, hey, I just resonate with this. I don't know what what I'm going to be saying or or what I can do, but how can I help? You know, I think, yeah. Yeah. And it it all starts, all changes start that way. That's right. uh, Yeah. That's right. And I think... The helplessness is very real. I hear that more often than not, you know, and especially with difficult conversations, courageous conversations, crucial conversations that involve a lot of emotion, that involve 
perhaps conflict or difference of opinion. We're in this instant gratification world where everything is a tweet away or a, a post away. And you can sound really eloquent on Facebook, but when, it come, when push comes to shove, if you can't show up and actually have physical face-to-face conversations with people or just physically show up and say, I see you, I'm here. Like, what do you need in this moment? The majority of my friends and my kind of close community are people who don't identify with dominant culture. So that would be non-white folks. You know, my partner's African-American. Most of our friends are people of color or in the queer community. And so we are constantly present to how much oppression and pain is in people's lived experience. But if you're not choosing to, if that's not your lived experience, you know, I could say 10 years ago, that wasn't my reality. I was in a relation 10 years ago, such a world away from where I am now. My Most of what I experienced in my family and my partner's family at the time were very privileged white folks. And so I had a lot of blind spots and I had to think about what is mine. It takes intentional work to actually show up in those spaces that you don't otherwise find yourself in. But yeah, I think that that's a distinction that I just want to honor. Like helplessness is a very normal feeling when you're going through stages of grief, which I think it's probably fair to say most people are going through some grief at this point in our world, given the political landscape. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. And, and knowing deep down that you can do something. Yeah. It uh, just gives you hope mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I know that you've been doing your coaching and your leadership coaching and, and helping teams to have that, like you say, one conversation, one community at a time. It sounds like you're creating safe space for having a conversation that might be, again, a difficult conversation to have. Can you share with us any stories of what has that given your clients back? What is the transformation that you've witnessed as as a result from your work? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll just say before I even share that, the only way that I am here is because of the incredible mentors and teachers and communities that I've been a part of. And so I'll always be a work in progress and I will always have people who are a couple steps ahead of me that inspire me to do this work. So I'll just say that first, that I don't, I don't know if I could do this work without communities and mentors that are reminding me that I'm a part of something larger, if that makes sense, because it's, it's every day to wake up and commit to having challenging conversations. It's a lot. And some days I feel the weight of it, but my clients inspire me beyond words. So I'll give a couple examples, you know, Let's see. The first, I mean, the the most powerful example are the school communities that I've led. So I was a part of leading a school that really transformed over the course of four years. And, And that's what really taught me. That was kind of the first spark for me to really see what's possible when you relentlessly believe in communities and you step out of the box and reimagine what could be possible in terms of the way you organize your time or the way that teachers are supported or the way that relationships are fostered and people are celebrated for the hard work that they do. So I think leading a team was the first teacher for me around like where the real hardships are and where we're really pushed in the moments, you know, integrity is so important to me because I know what it's like to be in a place of making decisions out of alignment with my core values and it impacted my health. It impacted my well-being, And so 
to be the person that now gets to support folks who I can deeply relate with around challenging conversations. You know, I help people, whether it's CEO of a company, prepare for some opening remarks or a big speech about inclusion and race and equity and why diversity is very important to facilitating conversations like the one I did just two weeks ago with a team in, you know, in almost every sector right now, there are kind of some, there are all sorts of challenges and and dynamics that are happening, whether we call them up or not. You know, if you have a cross, if you have a multi-generational team, if you have a multi-racial team, different races, if you have a multicultural team or a multi-gendered sexuality, right? All of these differences are what make us so powerful and we can have the hashtag that we believe Black Lives Matter or that no human is illegal and we can be all down for equity and inclusion. But when push comes to shove, people's blind spots and unconscious biases are impacting the day-to-day, minute-to-minute relationships. That That's the work that I help people really foster and kind of get underneath mm-hmm. because that's the courageous work, you know, to really yeah. commit to to getting at changing behaviors and saying, hey, I'm a work in progress too. And I'm, I'm open to learning in public as a leader. You don't see that every day, but right now we're seeing a movement of more leaders sharing that more openly, their thoughts mm-hmm. and beliefs about what it really means to foster and commit to inclusion and creating a space where everyone's story really does feel like they belong. Yeah. And I can feel when you're saying this, that you really believe that this is possible. I'm saying this because you know, we, the Chainsmakers, were launching our No More Boxes Breakfast Clubs where we're mm-hmm. creating this safe space to raise the awareness towards our limiting and isolating boxes that we are either placing ourselves or others into. And, and we're, I mean, currently we're looking at the uh, UN Sustainable Development Goal number five that has to do with gender equality. And mm-hmm. it's really interesting when I, and I can share this with you as because we're talking about gender and race and, you know, those huge big topics. One of the mm-hmm. things that I feel very strongly about myself as I'm working on this field and creating open space for those deep conversations around gender equality is gender Mm -hmm. equality is equality for both gender. Right. Right. When I think, I mean, I live in Iceland. Okay. I'm born and raised in Iceland and yeah, Iceland has been number one for gender equality. Uh, They've been the best country in the world for women to live in you know, that's it. we have the highest one in the world for the nine, nine consecutive years. That's where we've been. But you know what? That's fine. You know, we still haven't reached the gender equality. As we see the equality, we still have weight. You know, there's a lack in many, many aspects. But you know what? I think we have to look at gender equality from the perspective of uh, what's happening to the boys out there as well. Mm-hmm. 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 What is your your point on that? No, absolutely. I mean, I, people oftentimes ask me, so, oh, you're a feminist. You know, you say you're a feminist. You must be really left-wing and super yeah. liberal yeah. Bay Area. And I was like, do you know the root of feminism is is really all about equality? It's not yeah. some eccentric, crazy thing. It's just that we deserve to have a level playing field. It's really that simple. And I think so much of what I do as a strategist when I'm doing consulting work with folks is really 
get at the root cause and we uncover the systems that are at play because we can't talk about gender equality without talking about history, historical systems of oppression that have been designed to actually position some people closer to opportunities and others further from opportunities. And so I absolutely think, you know, I talk about non-binary folks and the fact that gender and sexuality are both on a spectrum because I do believe that we all have masculine and feminine energy. And when we talk about equality, it's about honoring that that both are equal. And, you know, it's going to take a lot of work to understand and uncover and really confront and dismantle some of these systems that have been historically kind of wiring our brains. You know, a lot of it is unconscious. And this is why I could geek out on brain science all day and why it informs everything that I've done since grad school, because it really is the wiring that we have to take a closer look at and how much we have absorbed these messages and these beliefs that are now we have to face these kind of inconvenient truths that we've been conditioned to believe. Yeah, and really ask ourselves, is this belief, is it, you know, has it extended to the consumed before date if you look at it as a product? Right. Could, could it be that it's actually, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's rotten. It should not be contested, you know, you shouldn't eat it anymore. You shouldn't digest it anymore. It's expired. That's it's right. It's expired. You, you know, yes. look at it. That is it really check the sold by date on that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, Rachel, I love having this conversation with you because they're so, they're deep and they are good and they, they give people hope. I hope. Mm. Can you tell me when you look at the world as you see it today, what are the things that you would like to see change? Mm. Well, that's a big question. (laughs) I mean, you know, there's a lot of things that I think are already changing and moving us in the right direction. And sometimes that change happens when we're bumping up against some major resistance, right? We in the United States have a president that is not aligned with my values in any way, shape, or form. And it's interesting to see how this particular president has sparked a lot of different conversations and movements and resistance. And I wonder sometimes, would people have this amount of energy if they weren't feeling so threatened or so pained and confused. You know, I think at the end of the day, all of what he represents and all of the people who have adopted hatred and and racism and bigotry to be guiding their lives, I think those people live, I feel pain for them. You know, I can only imagine, I oftentimes say hurt people hurt people. And, And if we could just live a life where people had more empathy and more compassion and more understanding and it's easier said than done, trust me, because I do yeah. this work for a living. And so it's, yeah. ooh, it, it, it requires so much internal strength and internal reserve and self-reflection, critical self-reflection and critical systemic reflection. But I think if we could all just kind of get on the same page about the fact that the life that we're living today and what we've all inherited is not... There, there's so much that's malleable. And we, if we have hope and if we believe in humanity and if we genuinely give ourselves permission to really listen to people's stories and to hear them and to see and feel the pain that's underneath all of the, the painful things that people do, 
I think then we realize it's actually not as personal as sometimes we think it is. And that's what gives me hope every day. And, and I, I think we have to also infuse joy and, and laughter and humor and fun into our daily lives. Otherwise, we get, can be overwhelmed with the weight of what, is, what we're up against, you know? And so that's why Spark the Card Game is, is a helpful tool because it, it's, it's like a story sharing tool and it provides exposure to other people's stories and, and experiences. And I think that exposure is so critical. So, you know, I'm just so aligned with your mission around stepping out of our boxes and really giving ourselves permission. We don't need to wait for someone else to give us permission. We take a step and step out of one box every day and really choose to expose ourselves to a different worldview, a different way of living and imagine what could be possible if everybody did that every single day. Oh yeah. Just being aware of the box that they're in, I think would be a huge thing. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, you're right. And for our listeners, you will be able to see everything about Spark and the cards and what Rachel is doing and how to access more information about her services right in our show notes where everything is listed. Rachel, on behalf of the Chainsmakers, I want to thank you for being a Chainsmaker, helping the world to be coming better, one conversation, one community at a time. Thank you. Thank you so much. Right back at you, Runa. I'm so inspired by the work that you're doing and I'm really grateful to be a part of this community. Thank you. Was this podcast of value for you? I sure hope so. If so, feel free to share the love and give us your generous review on iTunes or Stitcher. And remember that you can always go to runamagnus.com to find out more about the Chainsmakers and how we can help you drive the change you want to see in your world.